Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good afternoon to you. It is about a little after 12.30 Central Time as we broadcast from our beautiful palatial studios here in Dripping Springs, Texas, where the streams are not dripping much at all. I think they're trying to tell us something, but it's on its way. We're going to have a good time this afternoon to talk about money, one of our favorite subjects, with a gentleman we've not had on the show before, but he's kind of a legendary guy. His name is John Titus, and you can call and ask a question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com for the email, 888-663-6386, if you'd like to use a telephone, which nobody does any longer. But Mr. Titus is a um, freelance filmmaker and activist. He's focused on the corporate War Against Rule of Law. He's an attorney by trade. Doesn't do that any longer. He's got a YouTube thing. You can find him with John Titus. And then a Substack, uh, which is a best evidence Substack, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But I saw an article, I think it was on Zero Hedge or somewhere. Somebody sent me an article about the work that Mr. Titus has done with uh, trillions of dollars. I'm shocked on what happened during, <laughs> during the pandemic with the Fed, and so we're going to talk to him about it and find out what's going on, because it doesn't sound good. Mr. Titus, very pleasant. Uh, good afternoon to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's good, it's good to meet you, Patrick. Nice to meet you, sir. We like money geeks. We like money geeks. So you started looking in this in uh, 2008 during the Lehman moment, and uh, you knew something was rotten in Denmark? Well, I knew before then, <laughs> but... Yeah, Lehman was was really, really in two th- early in two thousand eight. Bear Stearns, that story didn't add up, right? And so I started paying a, a lot closer attention to what was going on, particularly with with mortgage backed securities, and basically yes. realized there was a ton of fraud, and nothing was really being reported correctly. And down the rabbit hole I went, and I never turned back. You never turned back. Never turned back. So you haven't been in a and all the bailout, the whole bailout, that entire episode was a lie. It was just one lie after another after another until they got that damn bailout passed. And when one lie failed, they just went to the next lie. It's like this is not good. We have liars at the highest level of government. It's not going to end well. Not going to end well. Did that that movie uh, John Titus of uh, Too Big to Fail was that even close? No. That's Andrew Ross Sorkin's piece of shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's unworthy. Sorkin's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can dig in that. So I'm looking at the Fed's balance sheet right now, the H-401 release, and I note that they have mortgage-backed securities on the tune of, oh, it's only $2.7 trillion according to the Fed's balance sheet. Is that close? Yeah. I mean, it's come like, down a bit, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. If you go onto the Fed website and graph the mortgage-backed securities on the H.401 report, you'll see it's actually ticked down. They're letting, they're letting mortgage-backed securities roll off. Fed's got a real problem on its hands. It's between a rock and a hard place. The rock is, hmm. you just printed a ton of money. Starting yes. in March of 2020, you, you, you printed a ton of money kind of like you did in 2000 in the wake of the global financial crisis, say 2010, 2011, but not really. Right. Okay, the difference being you, you did something different with the money, and I, we, we kind of leave that aside for the minute. Okay. The Fed, what they did this time around was they printed up about four, four and a half trillion dollars of reserves, 
which which is fine because reserves you, you know you and I don't have accounts at the Fed normal people don't have accounts at the Fed we can't spend reserves they're no good to us they're like Chuck E. Cheese tokens you know <laughs> even if we could get them they're not going to help us we can't spend them at the grocery store right but what the Fed did this time is it took the reserves and it, and it bought assets from non-banks non-bank financial institutions and non and, and individuals too really um and so you say well how how could they do that how could the fed you just told me you just got done telling me that reserves are chuck e g's tokens one minute ago and now you're telling me the fed bought assets from ordinary people who can't use chuck e g's tokens how does that work well the way it works is this the fed knows who you bank with right so mm -hmm. if the fed wants right. to come to you and buy an asset Let's say you bank, I'm sure you don't, but I'm going to use an example. Mm -hmm. Let's say you bank at Wells Fargo. Okay. Okay. And the Fed wants to say, hey, you know, Patrick, we want to buy your car for $5 million. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm on board with that. How are we going to make that happen? I can't use $5 million in reserves. The Fed will go to Wells Fargo, your bank, and say, okay, I want to buy this asset from Patrick for $5 million. Here's $5 million in reserves, which is the only money that I, the Federal Reserve, can create. Okay, so take this. Now you have that $5 million on your asset side of your balance sheet, Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. You need a liability to counterbalance that asset. And what you're going to do is you're going to create a $5 million deposit account in Patrick's name. For Patrick. And that's, and that's how we're going to pay. So in other words, when the Fed undertook that transaction, for $5 million. It really wasn't a $5 million. Yeah, they, they created $5 million of reserves out of thin air when they did that transaction. Right, right. But also in parallel, there was created $5 million in new deposit money at your bank, at Wells Fargo. So it was $10 trillion. So this, during the pandemic, when we say the Fed created, everybody will tell you they created $4.5 trillion. That's actually not accurate because they bought the assets for the most part with the four and a half trillion dollars they bought them from non-banks like you and like blackrock yeah who aren't they're not banks there's different they're different legal entities and when they do that the banks have to then create parallel amount of money so it wasn't four and a half trillion dollars created it was nine trillion dollars created it was because four and a half. let's see how does it add up to nine though john because four and a half trillion goes to well oh because wells fargo has what but they are both on their ass on their balance sheet doesn't don't they cancel each other out yeah they do but it adds four and a half trillion dollars to the retail money supply in other of words course. what the yeah. what because i get the four done. and a half trillion john right so it, yeah and i spend it or whatever so it adds four and a half trillion to the money supply right right to, to Which, the retail money supply retail. <clears throat> to, to yeah. our money to the real money supply real money supply which causes yeah. prices to rise which is right you, there was an interview recently with Mervyn King, who's formerly the bank, the, the chairman or the governor of the Bank of England. Yes, sir. And he said, well, look what the Fed's done. It created inflation because it bought assets from ordinary businesses. And he's exactly right. That's, that's what created the inflation. So in other words, going into the pandemic, there was about $13 trillion in deposit accounts. If you added up everybody's deposit account in the U.S., the retail deposit accounts, it was about $13 trillion. And when it was all said and done, it was more like 18. You don't think that's going to create inflation? Yeah. It did, and it has. And now the Fed has got a problem. It's got a raging inflation, and the Fed knows people are very angry about this. 
So it's very sensitive to that subject. And so now it's trying to do quantitative tightening and it's letting mortgage-backed securities roll off its balance sheet, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But it, the problem is that if you allow the money supply to contract, if you look through history, through U.S. monetary history, whenever you see periods of monetary supply contracting, the money supply contracting, yes, sir. it's either a depression or a bad recession. The last because one we've gotten used to all this, we gotten used to this punch bowl, and uh, now they stopped. And it, it's it, it, when you have debt, you know, when you have a debt-based monetary system. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like a coke addict. You have to have more, <laughs> more, 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 more. You can't just have the same amount. You're addicted, and you have to have more, more, more. And whenever you, even when the money supply flattens a little bit, like it did in the summer of two thousand and eight. You're you're risking big problems, oh, and if you look at the if you look at the total bank deposits in the U.S., it's been flat for for months. For between February and August, it traded. It was in a band between eighteen and eighteen point one trillion, and it never moved. And now it's below. Hmm. The Fed knows damn well if if you let that retail money supply go down, you're you're you know you're, you're you take your chances. But so, if they don't let it go down, they, they've got inflation. That's what I mean, rock and the hard place. The rock is the inflation that they've created. Yes, sir. And the hard place is what are you the depression do? you risk by trying to counteract the inflation. So let me, let me walk back something a minute and understand this inflation uh, money supply. So say, let's just say um, Congress uh, authorizes $10 billion for whatever, bridge to nowhere, and uh, the market doesn't want it in, in a private market, so they give it to the Fed. Fed creates ten billion, gives it to the, gives it to the Treasury, and they they spend the ten billion, whoever, whatever. That increases the money. That that increases inflation too. Dollars get out there that way, right? Yep, that's true. That's, okay, that's a fact. Yep. Okay, so but I thought the Fed's mandate was they monetize debt instruments. How do they monetize Patrick's car? It's not a dead instrument. It's just a car. Well, if you look at the Fed's balance sheet, if you go to the H.4.1 report. I'm on there right now, yeah. You'll see that the, the principal two assets are U.S. Treasuries. Yes, sir. And the mortgage-backed securities. They, they're not really buying your car. When they buy things like cars, I mean, that's not a real example. I, yeah. But when they buy the exotic, you know, flavored financial instruments, they do so typically under the Fed's emergency authority, and then they get away with it that way. But it's really, in, in reality, it's not that much. It's really the mortgage-backed securities that's that's the turd in the punch bowl. Yeah. And it's $2.7 trillion. trillion. It's $2.7 Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a big but number. How, and then how about the, I think it's, let me see if I can find it here. I have a light, sorry. Oh, $8.3 that we, the people, the Treasury, owes the Fed. I don't think... I don't think we owe them eight point three trillion. No. I, if, you, if you look at the if, if you look at the creditors of the U.S. Treasury, the, I forget who the biggest one is. There, there's nobody that's. Really oh, I'm that. sorry. I'm sorry. I I did the top number. It's uh, five point six. Yeah, that sounds that sounds okay. Okay. Yeah. So we the people are paying interest on that five point six every every year. Yeah, but they but they kick it back. It's it's very. They roll roll it over. No, they pay pay it back. The Fed by statute has to under the Federal Reserve Act has to pay back profits into the treasury but it's but it's it, it's 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 a hedge that's a political it's, talking point yeah, that the yeah. fed uses that ignores the fact 
the, 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 okay, so the Fed may be paying its money back, but the commercial banks that are in the Fed system, the owners of the Fed, owners of they're the, the ones really making the money. Are they paying their profits back? No. Why not? They create money out of thin air. Why are they paying their profits back? You know, nobody asked that question because so, the answer to it is unpleasant. So we, They'd rather they fall back on that talking point. So we do a mortgage and we sign a note or sign the, the application. They create the money to give it to, to buy the house. I mean, that's how it works. That's how banking works. That's there, how banking there's a paper, works. There's a paper, if, 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 if your viewers and listeners don't understand that, there's a paper by Richard Werner, W-E-R-N-E-R, -E -E and it's called Can Banks Individually Create Money Out of Nothing, in which he walks into a bank, takes out a 200,000 uh, euro loan, and he looks at their balance sheet in real time and sees, yeah, they created that money out of thin air. It didn't come out of a vault. It didn't come from another bank. It didn't come from another account. They never had to call the central bank and get approval. They just entered it on a keyboard, and then poof, Boom. they created. Boom. It's yeah. created. That's how banking. That's that's the difference yeah. between when you and I lend money. If I borrow twenty dollars from you, you have to reach into your pocket, and you are dispossessed of the money you lend to me. Yes, you no yes. longer have possession of $20. Banks don't work like that. Banks, they don't get the money. The money is not pre-existing. They create it out of thin air. And that money that's created, it's treated as a liability on their balance sheet. It's on balance sheet. And the corresponding asset to that, that counterbalances the $20 liability is an asset. It's a note that would be on your balance sheet if you yes, were a bank. Yes. Right. It says uh, Johnny Titus owes you know Patrick twenty dollars, and that's how that that's how banking works. And so, but they don't pay the banks. You're saying Wells Fargo, whoever, they don't pay uh, tax on the two hundred grand they just created and gave to me. I don't know if they pay tax on it. they pay tax on their profits, but 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 the point is they they are it's a liability. You're paying them for a liability. You're paying interest. It, it, yeah, put, we we created the we created the debt, right? They, they in other words, <laughs> the, the rigged system is, it's 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 two notes, okay? It's a note from you right. to the bank, I, just for me to you. I owe you twenty dollars plus interest, but but your note <clears throat> to me really is it's that's an IOU too, but it's a negotiable IOU that can be transferred to other people, and it doesn't pay interest. It doesn't pay interest. No, does not pay interest. So all that all that money that's created, all the banks create money the same way. They they punch it into a computer and it's created out of thin air, and then they lend that out at interest, right? Yeah. And it's it's IOUs from different banks are there. So J.P. Morgan Chase would honor money IOUs created by Wells Fargo, and that's how the system works. There's a great book on this. If if you a great book an introduction to sort of all of this and how this evolved because it sounds so insane and it is insane and the book is called bank robbery it's from 2020 by a writer in the uk called ivo mosley actually <laughs> corresponded with him a couple times um and that book really lays it out like how it kind of goes through the history and it's short i like short books i don't like books over 100 pages <laughs> i gave him a pass it was 150 but it was, that's that's short enough for the well, topic it sounds like really a good, good. Bank robbery by Iva Mosley. It's Mosley. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so the, 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 what we're laying out here 
is uh, that's why mom said marry a banker because it's pretty good business when you make money for a living by making money for a living. I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty well, good. Well, think about it. You have two tiers in society. Whoa. There's the 0.01% that can create money out of thin air right. and lend it out to everybody else at interest. I mean, then there's everybody else who's got to borrow it to use the money. Right. You know, which, which, which sliver of society do you want to be in? You know, and it's a great deal if you're a banker. And this scenario, John Titus, works the same for credit cards, car loans, yep. student loans, yep. whatever, right? Anytime you're borrowing from a bank, credit cards, credit cards are weird because you, you use a Visa card. Visa is not a bank, but Visa really isn't. Let's use MasterCard as a better okay. example because I know I know who the bank is. MasterCard really is not a bank. It's just the front. It's the face. It's the kiosk. The bank is Comerica. Okay, that's that's the bank. So when you actually go to, let's say you go to the Gap and you buy a pair of pants for fifty dollars, yeah. okay, and right. you use your use your Gap card, which is I right. think a JP Morgan Chase card, yeah, and they run that fifty dollars. That's that's fifty dollars of new money that's created out of thin air by Chase and gets into the money supply. Yes. Yeah, yes. and the note, and so the note is, the, the IO, you sign the receipt, that's what they have, you sign the receipt, that's the note, that's the asset on Chase's balance sheet, and then their liability is the $50 that they created, that Chase created, but that's how the system works. And, and, and we're, we're taught ahead. something totally different. Yeah. You know, we're taught to think of like the piggy, piggy bank and it's pre-existing, and it's, none of that's true. It's just not true. Wow. It's it's all it's all done on a ledger and it's all done with double entries. And the reason for the double entries is for every, you know, you have to the assets and liabilities have to balance out. But the banks in this whole casino structure are the winners. Make yes, no sir. mistake about it. So then the banks that own the Federal Reserve and we all know who they are, the usual suspects, right? Including HSBC and banks around the the world, they do give the treasury back Minus six percent, I think, right uh, back, back. But but it's after after expenses, which well, and we, Fed, you can't yeah, audit right. them, right? That's so what, I mean, I mean, come on, you could buy twenty Lear jets, and that's you know that that doesn't count, right? But to be clear, it's it's the Federal Reserve. So there's twelve district Federal Reserves, right? Okay, let's use the let's use the Fed of New York, the New York Fed. Yes, that's big. The one. New York Fed is the one that's paying the money. It's right. profits allegedly back to the treasury the banks that own the new york fed which is really the the dominant owner of the new york fed is citigroup um oh city is the biggest one i think so last yeah. time i checked yeah. but they're due to a somebody submitted a FOIA a while back and anyway it came out that citigroup was the dominant owner which is interesting for a whole host of reasons too complicated to get into here but my point is that citigroup and the other banks that own the fed the new york fed they're not paying their profits back to the U.S. Treasury. It's like, well, why not? You have a license to print money that comes from the U.S. government. The Fed got their license from the U.S. government, and you got your license from the Fed. Why aren't you paying your profits back into the Treasury? Oh, I don't understand. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So You've bootstrapped your way into free money, which is just nonsense. So so let's let's walk into the this four trillion kind of thing you discovered with the pandemic and how did this work? Let's go through that bit by bit. It's fascinating. Yeah. So let's let's go back to let's go back to the global financial crisis. Okay. Two thousand. That 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 sets the stage a little bit better. Okay. So what you have in the global financial crisis? You have the worst 
let's just take the the, the worst bank of all, Citigroup. Okay. Okay. Citigroup was done. Citigroup was toast. It was the worst bank. It was terrible. It needed $45 billion in TARP. It had $306 billion of its assets ring-fenced by the FDIC, and even that wasn't enough. So it had to borrow $2.5 trillion from the Fed, from the New York Fed. 2.5? 2.5 trillion with a T, yes. That's separate from this whole TARP phenomenon. Totally separate. Wow. Citigroup was done. They were rotten to the core. <laughs> it was run by an idiot named Rob Rubin. Robert Rubin, he's terrible, yeah. just a moron. You can just look at the guy. Like, this guy ran this place into the ground. Anyway, Citigroup was the worst of the lot. They were done. They were toast. Mm -hmm. But they needed all this. They needed to get bailed out, okay? And so the bailout took a lot of forms. It, the, the visible form was the $45 billion in TARP. Then there was the loans from the Fed. But one of the, one of the bailout, and the bailout kept going on. City was, Citigroup was trading for a dollar is like in April of 2009. They had to do a reverse, 10 for one reverse stock split just to prop up the stock price and make it respectable. Because wow. it was like a penny stock. It was like wow. trading at 99 cents. It's like you can't have this major, you know, impressive bank trading at 99 cents. It looks like a junk stock. Well, it is a junk stock. It's a company's ridden through with fraud. It's, it's garbage. But Citigroup, okay, one of the ways to bail out these banks in, two, in the wake of the global financial crisis was the Fed went to Citigroup and said, hey, you know, we noticed you got a lot. One of the reasons you're bankrupt is that you have all these rotten mortgage-backed securities that are worthless on your balance sheet. So why don't we do this? We'll create, let's say, let's just take a, a billion dollars. It's a convenient okay. example. You've got a mortgage-backed security there worth a billion dollars. It's it, you paid a billion dollars is the face value. That's what you paid for it, but it's worth nothing because you know and I know that you don't have the promissory notes and the trust, and the thing is just garbage. It's just worthless. So why don't we do this? Says the Fed. We'll print up one billion dollars in reserves, and we'll give you that. And in exchange, you give us that one billion dollar mortgage-backed security which we both know is worth nothing. Right. And Citigroup's like, okay, we'll do that. And that saved that saved those banks. But because it's a because because it's a bank, it's Citigroup or any bank, that transaction is a two-party transaction. It's only the Fed on one side of the transaction and the bank, Citigroup on the other side of the transaction, and the whole thing can be done with reserves. Okay? Which are yeah. let me stop for a second. Reserves are your term for newly created dollars on a computer that that's kind of sort of dollars but not really they're they're no they're dollars okay but they're, but they're in a circuit okay they're in a they're in a tier where the issuer of the money is the fed and there's i'm going to make up a number there's 200 customers of the fed and those 200 customers can trade the reserves among themselves but only among themselves oh okay. they get out of that circuit and they come to you or me we're like what that's what you can't I can't get that money. I, I don't have an account at the Fed. Oh. There's no way for you to transfer or wire that money to me. Absolutely no way to do that. Okay. Okay. So, so the, I interrupted so the, you. So you were doing so the global that. financial crisis was just it was just the Fed creating reserves. And everybody, you know, a lot of people, myself included, I didn't understand the two tier system. And I thought, well, God, you just created, you know, a million or a trillion or two trillion dollars of reserves. You're going to have inflation, and you didn't. Right. You never, there was never inflation, and the reason was it was the reserves. They were trapped in that circuit. Yeah, I didn't understand that either, John. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. That's the key. 
Whew. That's the key is that's a little, that little private <laughs> club up there has only got 200 people or a thousand people, whatever it is in it. Yeah. It's small and the money just goes around among them. You and I are in the retail circuit. Now we flash forward, we come to the pandemic and the Fed's going to do the same thing. And everybody's like, well, you know, they print reserves and, you know, every, everything's fine. It didn't create, it didn't create inflation before. It won't create inflation now. And it's like, yeah, it will. Because now the Fed's not buying assets from Citigroup. It's buying assets from BlackRock. BlackRock's not a bank. Okay. Apollo isn't a bank. You know, AIG isn't about these other companies. They're not banks. They are in, they, they don't have accounts at the Fed. They're not in that club. They're not in that tier. Hmm. They bank like you and I do. They bank at normal sounding banks. And so now when the Fed's buying a billion dollars of assets, it, it can't just rely on reserves. And it's not just a two party transaction. It's a three party transaction. You have the Fed is the buyer. Okay. It creates a billion dollars of reserves. You have, let's just use BlackRock. BlackRock is the seller. Okay. It's selling the asset. So let's say it's a U.S. Treasury. BlackRock's like, yeah, we like to dump the Treasury and trade it, get it in the stock market. BlackRock's the seller, but BlackRock banks at, you know, whoever, JP Morgan Chase. Mm -hmm. So the way that transaction works is the Fed goes to JP Morgan Chase and says, here's a billion dollars in reserves, which is the only money the Fed can create. You, Chase, now need to create a billion dollar deposit account in the name of Larry Fink at BlackRock so that we can pay him for this asset. And Larry, over at BlackRock, you need to transfer that treasury over to us, the Fed. It's wow. a three-way transaction wow. in which $1 billion of reserves is created and another $1 billion in retail bank money is created. That's how that worked. Wow. And you wow. can see it. The way I picked this up is I was looking at the retail bank money figures, and hmm. I was like, the graph. So you, you, so everybody was looking at the reserves, and they're like, holy cow, there were the Fed's balance sheet. You'd see this huge spike up and starting in March of 2020. And it spikes up in six weeks. It's like it goes from, you know, three three trillion in change to right. six or seven trillion. I mean, you you can't miss it on a graph. It's just right in your face. At the same time, though, if you went to the retail bank money supply, you saw the same graph. Only it was offset by thirteen trillion dollars because that's what the amount of money in the retail mon money supply going into the pandemic, going into March of twenty twenty. There was thirteen trillion dollars of retail bank money, and six weeks later, there's seventeen trillion or seventeen and a half trillion, whatever it was. And the shape of the curve completely matched the shape of the curve of the reserves. That's how it's you like, found how is, it. How, well, I had help. I had somebody called me up. There's there's a benefit to doing YouTube videos, which is, you know, people reach out to you and say, you know what, you're doing yeah. pretty good work, but but check this missing out. this one little thing. <laughs> wow. And I got a guy who told me like. Here's this. Here's how it works. I was like, "Holy, psyche, psyche, yeah." So, just between the, the beginning of um, of this COVID, whatever. Don't get me started there. Um, yeah. How much new money uh, chasing goods has been created and causing this inflation? Do we have any idea? Yeah, you could About, ballpark it. I mean, it's uh, roughly five, four or five trillion. Yeah, it's four to five. Here's the thing. Hmm. The retail money supply is always, because money is created as loans, okay, and people are always taking out loans, you know, so new, when people take out loans, the money supply goes up, and when they pay back loans, it goes down. It's just how the system works. In other words, the money supply is always kind of trending up. It's always hmm. trucking sure. away at sure. about 4%. 
every nine months if memory serves. Hmm. So it's going to increase anyway. So you you can't just say that every dollar that it got bigger since March of 2020 is attributable to the Fed. You got to back out the part that would have happened anyway. And once you do that, yeah, it's about it's about four trillion, four and a half trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a lot of money if you started at a hundred trillion, but you didn't start at a hundred trillion. You started more like thirteen trillion. It's a ton and the of retail. money. Yeah, the retail. Yeah. So what's the What's the bouncing ball look like when Biden or somebody says we're going to give everybody $1,500 or something? How does that work? <laughs> that's, that's the Fed. You remember I said nobody has an account at the Fed? Right. They're talking about changing that. So in other words, Yeah, they're the going to do this Fed thing uh, in next year, right? Fed the, only now direct, the only yeah. direct connection you have to the Fed right now is cash. Cash. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, Federal Reserve notes. I mean, green in your wallet. Wow. That money is issued by the Fed, and there's about $2.3 trillion of it Probably. slosh around. Most of it's overseas. Yeah. 60%. Yeah. Okay, that's it. But that's paper money. That's not electronic money. Right. What the Fed wants to do, and what all these criminal organizations want to do, is they want to issue money directly to the people. Yes. Because then, then they got you hooked up. Yeah. Right. And then they can start implementing social credit scores and turn your money on and off. Yes. That's what they're in the process of doing. Yeah. But they're they would be bypassing the banks. In other words, hmm. the Fed is not the Fed is is not is regulating the banks, but it is also now positioning itself to compete with the banks. But the banks right. own the Fed. Yeah, it's all it's all one big family, but yeah. Yeah. So so uh, if you were on a game show and you had to guess, John Titus, how many, how much, what's the money supply? Could you even hazard a guess? What do you mean in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah just total amount of dollars, digital and paper out there. Forty. Well, if you're talking about, if you're talking about, in terms of money, okay, legally money, I'll tell you how much it is. It's two point three trillion dollars in Federal Reserve notes. Plus whatever it is in coins, you know. Oh, you're talking about yeah, it's just hard. That's money. That's no, money. that's okay. no legally. That's money. That's money. And that's it. That's legal tender. Okay. You have a debt. You owe somebody a debt, and you tender cash. You tender coin, and they don't take it. They're on their own. Yes. Too bad. That debt's done. It's paid off. Okay. That's strictly speaking. That's what money is. If you add in, you know what we call bank money, bank which is money. really credit. Right, because yeah. it's created yes. as loans. When you add that in, you're now you're adding basically eighteen trillion dollars. Oh, at least seven, about right. seven. Well, in the U.S., bank deposits are sitting at about seventeen point nine, eighteen trillion dollars. But then, when you start to add in things like, what about treasuries? Yeah, treasuries. They're not they're not money, but they're you know if you think about somebody who's got let's say you had fifty million dollars, you don't want to you don't want that sitting in the bank. Because it's uninsured, the bank goes under. That money's gone, right? You don't want that. So, what do you do if you're someone with fifty million dollars? Where do you park it? Short term Tre treasuries. Huh? Bingo. So, when you add in treasuries, it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The Fed has an interesting report called the Z one. And if you look one. at, <laughs> yeah, it's it comes out quarterly, and it's very it's about money flow, like which sectors money is flowing into and out of. It's very interesting. The numbers in that report. 
your hair will stand up looking at those. <laughs> those numbers are more like two hundred trillion, just floating around out there buying stuff and debt and changing hands. Wow, changing form. Yeah, it's like a it's like a massive game of whack a mole. The two hundred <laughs> trillion dollar game of whack a mole. Look at that report. It'll blow your mind. Z one. Z1. Z1. Yep. Uh, John Titus is with his his his, his stump sack stump substack. I can say it. His best evidence, <laughs> bestevidence.substack.com. I just signed up a few a few weeks ago. You can sign up too. John, can you hold on a second? I want to promote a couple products and make a some Federal Reserve notes here. That's what I. Yeah. Help that's yourself. How we, that's how we do for. That's how we make our Federal Reserve notes such as they are. We promote products uh, because uh, that's how we do it. If you'd like to buy some, we have a, a really nice suite of products on One Radio Network. have everything from saunas, got a great sauna, to a hydrogen machine, which I think you really would like. It's outstanding technology. I've been doing it for th three years now, the hydrogen machine. I'm kind of crazy, so you make it crazy like me, but um, I also am um, healthy and uh I'm getting younger because the whole, you know, the whole aging thing is a scam. But don't get me started there. So, but this is a good thing we, we promote. I think you'll like this. Check it out. Previously with... Whoops. I've pressed the right button. Here it is. That's Broadcasting right from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. I just had a fat finger moment. Don't mind me. I'm glad the CD or the... CDC's not around. Uh, this is a sauna that we promote that I think you'll really like. It's 1,295 Federal Reserve notes, which is, you know, I mean, it's really, really a good price, and it's the best price you're going to get. They don't even allow us to put it in print because the price is under their retail, which is about 1500 but they allow us to say it uh, live here on our videos, so that's pretty fun. Here's a fellow, and he'll tell you a little bit more of why these are a good thing to have. Previously with Dr. Thomas Rao, the Pericles Medical Clinic in Switzerland. Their specialty is detoxification. We asked him about far-infrared saunas. The far-infrared sauna goes much deeper into the skin subcutaneously. It has its maximum about four to five centimeters below the skin surface. You've actually measured materials in the sweat and you've proven this. Yes, the, the patients after a week doing this every day, half an hour or 45 minutes, they react quite much with sweat. Then you can collect this sweat. Then you measure this and then you find how much they detoxify with the heavy metals. It's really amazing. It's kind of cool when you get really geeky about uh, sweat, right? And But they've even proven with studies. Now check this out. You can... You can do a, an ET, EDTA, something that promotes uh, detoxification of, say, heavy metals like lead and arsenic and mercury, which is in the air and stuff like that, and do the sauna. First off, you take your, your, your urine and see the levels of these toxic metals in your urine. Then you do the sauna for 30 minutes, never mind what you're sweating through the skin, which is a lot, and then do the urine test again, and there's more toxic metals coming out 30 minutes in a sauna uh, of the mercury and the lead and the arsenic and the stuff. And the extra. Isn't that cool? Which means that we are detoxifying even more than sweating with these saunas. Check it out. The only way to get the price is to email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick, 
OneRadioNetwork.com. Three years ago, I turned on, I got turned on to this technology I was going to tell you about, and here it is. And it's good. Previously, with Dr. Mark Circus, he offered this. The audience should know uh, both of us are into hydrogen, and specifically hydrogen inhalation. Both are into the same machine. This guy, George, the AquaCure, mm-hmm. made it in, in New York and Canada. So three months ago, a study that was published in Dove Press, brain metastasis completely disappear in non-small cell lung cancer using hydrogen gas inhalation. We're not saying that breathing hydrogen and drinking hydrogen water will cure your cancer. Not at all. We're just reporting on a study. But just imagine what breathing hydrogen is doing for my body and can be doing for yours, bringing things back into balance. The AquaCure Hydrogen Browns Gas Machine, we think the best on the market. Use promo code 1RADIO, a one-year, no-questions-asked, money-back guarantee, lifetime warranty. Can you believe that? I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody say, okay, you buy this, and if you don't like it 11 months from now, you can get your money back. George does it. That's how much he, I think he said less than 1% has ever wanted the machine their money back. Less than 1%. He sold a lot of them. It's a lifetime warranty, one year, no questions, that's money back warranty. 20% off, you know, promo code 1RADIO. You can go to molecularhydrogeninstitute.com and look at some of the studies, and they're doing great work uh, with people who have had um, um, strokes, which is like, you know, you don't want to do that. And so, you know, maybe it's helping people. We don't do, you know, make any claims, but maybe it's pe- helping people not to stroke out uh, doing the hydrogen. It's a pretty amazing technology. Check it out. I think you'll like it. It's a great, great investment. And maybe if you know the right uh, tax person, you could write it off. But I didn't tell you to. I didn't tell you to do that. You know. We talk about your health, wealth, and well-being on OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with an interesting uh, gentleman. We love getting geeky in the world of money, and his name is John Titus. He's on the Substack thing. Thanks for coming on the show, John. It's really fun. I'm fascinated by, by, by all of this. Um, wow, there's so much to talk about with you. So uh, let's just kick around some ideas as we dig into this more, if you would, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, why did the dollar lose a point and a half this morning? What, do you have any ideas on that? No. no? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not a trader. You're not no, a trader. I don't, I don't, well, I don't trade. Uh, you know, I got, I got to stop watching them. Once I figured out everything was rigged, <laughs> I kind of lost a lot of interest. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay, you know, dollar up, dollar down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it could be, it could be the sense that there's a lot of pressure now on the Fed to back off raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you see what's going on in England. They're, you know, their central bank is now back into basically quantitative yeah, easing. I saw that. Yeah. Buying bonds. You know, there could be a sense that the Fed's going to do the same thing, you know, and they will back off the interest rate. We'll see. But, you know, it, it's just guesswork on my part. And I, yeah. I don't really know what's up yeah. with the market. Is it fair to say, though, that gold and silver is can be the best hedge that we can do with this all this new money? I mean, I'm always a fan of, of silver. Yeah. Silver. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, my 
personal opinion is, is, is cheap. Yeah. 21 bucks um, this morning. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, that come on. But it, it, I don't, I've, I've, it took me a while to kind of get out of the habit of thinking of it in terms of dollars and just, you know, think of it in, in terms of, you know, the, the expression I always heard was, you know, a quarter will always buy a, a, a gallon of gas. Sure. Silver quarter and a, you know, Which a is gold true. Yeah, and true. a gold dollar will always buy a good men's suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah. I think that's the way to think about it. If you get caught up into dollars this and no, the dollar's doing that and, Oh, the market's doing this. You're 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 getting you're feeding into that dopamine addiction cycle. Yes, let's keep it simple. You know. So, what kind of things are you writing about now? What is your sense? Do you have any sense of how long this inflationary cycle is going to go? Do you do you think we'll go back to the seventies where interest rates go to fifteen percent? That that whole deja vu all over again. Um. I, I just I don't think the Fed can do that. I, I think we're in for a really bad time hmm. um, in terms of a recession. Yes, ahead. Uh, I, I just I don't see there's any way out of this. Then the other problem you've got a really big problem for the U.S. with interest rate increases is if you look at the federal budget and the Treasury has written a couple of annual reports on this. If you look at the items in the federal budget, they're really non-negotiable. Which which would be interest on right. the debt, okay? So if you raise interest rates, your interest payment's going to get bigger, right? Right, right. And the interest payment just got a lot bigger. When you add together the interest payment, the Social Security payment, the Medicare, yeah. Medicaid, those four, which are which you can't really, you know, unless Janet Yellen's willing to get up in, in front of a microphone and say, "Yeah, we're cutting your Social Security payment in half," that payment's not going down. Yes, sir. Those are non-negotiable. When you add those four together. They're basically now bigger than your tax receipts on the yes, year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. And the Treasury has written about it like, and this is kind of, they don't put it in those terms, but that's really what they're getting at. Like, we are going to need some severe austerity. That's their solution to it. It's never, well, why don't we get rid of the Federal Reserve System? They never proposed that. No. Um, their no. solution is more austerity. We really need people to cut back. Uh, but what they're saying, though, if you think about it, if if your non-negotiable payment, it's like a mortgage payment. If, if you're paying a thousand dollars a month on your house, and your principal is going up, you're you're done. The mortgage payment has got to bring down the principal. Can't yes, you can't sir. allow the. It's got to bring it down. And the U.S. is now in a position where its mortgage payment isn't enough to cover the nut, and so your the debt is now spiraling out of control. And it's in, 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 the, in the for years and decades, everybody said the debt's not a problem. The debt's not a problem. Now they're saying it's a problem. Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen both are like, "Yeah, debt's a problem." It's because it's 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 you're basically got a, a situation where it's runaway. It's thermal runaway. You can't you can't rein it back in. You got to do something radical. It's up, so there's something, big trouble. Something big is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. 2023 yeah. is going to be rough. So, so I think interest on the on the debt. I may be wrong, but I bet it's close to 400 billion a year. I think that's a pretty close that's a, number. That's about right, but that's I with mean, low interest rates. That's with low interest rates, right? Yeah, and a, a lot of that debt is older, and it'll remain around four billion. But my point is that you can't, you know, over a sustained period of time, have increased interest rates and not see it show up in your interest payments. Those interest payments are going to get bigger. Yeah. Right. So, 
and that debt will, unless they just crash the whole thing, John, they, that debt is not never going to go away, right? It's got to be paid, doesn't it? To pension funds and people and God knows what, hedge funds. And, yeah, unless, you know, if you don't want to default, what, for sure. Boy, you default and it's game over, right? Yeah, you can't do that. So you've got to pay that. it. And you're going to have, you know, and the way historically when societies or when governments get in a position that I'm talking about where they have that runaway debt, yeah. the classic way to try to get out of that is to inflate your way out, right? So you're, you're paying with cheaper days. dollars. You're paying with cheaper dollars. You got it. Wow. You got it. But, yep. So that's what I mean. The, there's no way around. There's no way around. The rock in the hard place problem you've got now. There's you're, there's no way out. It's like, well, what are you going to do? What, what do you what, what's what, what's what's the better outcome? Every no one has any money, right? Or do you want that like the Great Depression where or, you saw the money supply contract by thirty percent in four years? It would be a lot worse now. Do you want so that's your that's first choice? No one's got any money. Right. They can't they can't pay anything. They're going hungry. Or B, your second choice is everybody's got a lot of money, but stuff costs. 50 times as much as it used to. Right. Weimar and all that, right? Whatever. You know. What do you want? That's the only two choices there. They're going to have to inflate. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because they're are, not going to crash it. Right. They're not going to crash it. They'll storm the White House with pitchforks, you know? Patrick, I don't know. I don't take anything off the table now. Really? Uh, there's nothing. You can't take anything off. The, I mean, the classic ways, there's two classic ways to destroy a currency, Okay. One way is you borrow in a foreign currency and then watch the foreign currency rise against yours. Okay? You can't pay it back. Let's say you borrowed in rubles and you can't print rubles. You print dollars. Okay? That's one way to go bankrupt and ruin a currency. That's in large part what happened in Weimar. But that's right. a story for another day. Right. The second classic way to destroy a currency is just lose a war. Lose a and, war. Explain. Yeah, lose a war. That's a good... You lose a war... Yeah, you're on your own. You know, you're, the, you're, the, the currency is only as good as a nation is strong. Right? Oh, you're talking about like in Iraq where they, they went from 350 for a dinar to 0. 0.0006 cents. They lost the war. They lost the war. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. That's what happens. Two, two classes, and, and where are we? We're on the cusp of a world war, aren't we? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, it's strange that, isn't it? How all, it's the monetary tail, you know, it's the monetary dog is wagging the political tail. Make no mistake about that. Yeah, sure. It's funny how, you know, the political events like COVID just came in <laughs> right at the right time and <laughs> saved the, the dollar. Right. right. It's remarkable, you know, how these things happen. Whoa. And here we are, here we are in the, on the brink of a huge world war. And, and they're doing everything. I may be wrong, but your opinion to make it worse, right? I mean, now they now they're gonna want what Zelensky to get uh, NATO in there, and you know that just pissing Putin Putin off more. You know, you know, it, it's hard to avoid the conclusion, right, that the U.S. brand is being diluted intentionally. Huh. You know, but we can't talk about that. Oh, yeah, conspiracy, conspiracy. Yeah, I, you know what? Before there were ever any conspiracies, there was a guy named Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. Yes, He's one is. of the greatest jurists of the 20th century in the U.S. He said even a dog knows the difference between being tripped over and being kicked. Mm. And, and, and it doesn't take long to figure out the U.S. is being kicked to death. We're just watching it in real time now. Yeah. 
many people are thinking that uh, the people, whoever controlling at the you know top of the food chain of this dollar thing, the Davos or whoever, want to destroy Europe next with the banking and all that, and then then we're next. You think? Yeah, I think that's that looks like a last ditch effort to prop up the Ameri- the U.S. dollar. It's just well killed. You know, we'll recover our manufacturing by you know. It's like the thing. It's like you go to a kid and you say, "What do you do? You want more red trucks, or do you want to take away Timmy's trucks?" He's like, yeah. "I want to take away Timmy's trucks. Take away my take away my friends' toys. No. That's what's going on there. Just to annihilate Europe, and then we have a whole new customer base, don't we?" And the whole pipeline thing, and that's a trip, isn't it? What's going on in Europe, man? Whew. I I don't know what to make yeah. of that. I don't know either, John. I I mean, who benefits? Boy. I, I, at the basic level, you know, if you look at the price of gas, it's like that explosion never happened. Hmm. You and I'll where, just leave it at that. Yeah. You see where the, the oil boys just uh, cut their their production stuff too. and. Yep. Yeah. And the there's a oil. lot of turmoil. There's a lot of, there's more plates in the air now yeah. than I've ever, I mean, far more, like, like exponentially more. Than there were in 2008, and there were a lot in 2008. And even now, you know, it's taken 15 years. We're kind of looking back, sort of figuring out what went on with relatively few variables in 2008. You know, hmm. now just like it's 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 information overload. There's too much going on at the same time. You would be insane. Do you want to know what's going to happen in the future? Set up a dartboard, write some outcomes, and then just throw your dart. That's it. Yeah, that's I, it. I agree with you. Uh, Jamie wants to know, well, if we go to this central bank digital currencies people are talking about, what happens to all of the dollars out there? And you said there's a lot. There are. It's a good question. I mean, how do you deal with that? I, I would, <laughs> myself, <laughs> I accumulate dollars. I mean, it's still, it's legal tender. And it's going to be legal tender at, for a long time. If you look at the federal statutes, I, I just don't see, you know, England has tried to slowly get away from legal tender of paper dollars. Right. Um, trying to call them in, but they're replacing them with polymer dollars. And I don't really know what that's about, but if central bank digital currency, once that's into place, let's put it this way. The central bankers hate dollars for one reason. They're on record as saying this. You know, Augustine Carson, who's the general manager of the Bank for International Settlements, is on record as saying, the problem with a $100 bill is we don't know who has it. We don't know what they're spending on. We don't know what they're doing with it. Right. With central bank digital currency, by contrast, they we know, know who everything. has it and what they're spending it on. We everything. know everything. Yeah. So my thing is, if you look at what happened during the Great Depression, when the money supply contracted by 30% in four years, what happened? How did people cope with that with no money? They created their own money. They created local scripts around the around the communities. Yes, sir. And you can really, you know, so even what am I suggesting here? Is that even if the Fed were to take the insane draconian step of saying, well, the dollar is no longer legal tender, that's not to, what's to prevent you from using it with your friends and your community as if it were still money? Sure, sure. But you need a network of local people. Make no mistake about it. I, I used to, my mom used to talk about uh, the Depression. She was in there, and they, they pretty much just had potatoes, John. And she said, but nobody had any money. She said, right. nobody had any money. Right. That's that's They what just the cut it off, is. didn't they? They just cut off the money. Boom. Well, what happened is 
you know, going into the Depression, you had 30,000 banks. Yes, sir. And over the course of, from 1929 to 1933, 9,000 of those banks failed. And wow. when those banks failed, because, because money is created as loans, every single depression in a debt-based monetary system is deliberate. It's created on purpose. They just collapse the banks, and you know the, and the vultures come in. They swoop down. They pick up assets for penny on the dollar. You know because it, because the debt based monetary system, it's not real money. Real money is like greenbacks, and you know it's it's printed money. Even it's, though it's paper, it's still as real as you're going to get. Other than gold, real, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. I mean, it's as real as you're going to get. I've been thinking yeah. that myself. If I had like a cabillion, which I don't, which is a bunch of money, I would get a hundred dollar bills and just stash it for the moment. That's what I would do if I had it. I don't know. Yeah. What else? What else would it do? Buy some gold, stash the dollars. Well, it's like you got to be like a squirrel. I'd like silver. <laughs> you know, I like I like hundred dollar yeah, bills. Yeah. Some gold, some real estate, some cans of food for sure. You know, for a sure. lot of yeah. a lot of real stuff. I like. You know, I took people like, well, where do I put my money? Where do I put my money? And I said, listen, forget worrying, forget, forget the graph of your money, okay, just for a minute, and start thinking about how are you going to get access to your money. You know, right. what are you what are you going to do when Schwab, the local office, doesn't open, or when you log into your account at Merrill Lynch and it's just like your password doesn't work? What do you? How are you going to get that money? Who are you going to call? Yeah. <laughs> right. Who are you going to call? Right. What are you going to do? It's like calling Google. Why did you censor me, right? Good luck with See, that. You, you think the squirrel <laughs> has problem getting access to his nuts? No, he's like, he knows where they all are. Okay? Start thinking that way. Start. Really? Don't make it complicated. Make it simple. How are you going to get your money hmm. quickly? You know, I, I would suspect that I'm just guessing here, John uh, Titus, that on this October 4th uh, day that mm, – 90, 75 to 80% of the people have their retirement accounts and 401ks and all that into the market somewhere, right? Whatever. Probably, and yeah. So what do you do with that? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen to this market. It could do anything. It could yeah. do anything, man. Right. The market could do anything. But again, it's a question of access. You know, it's all great having a lot of money and these accounts and watching them go up and down and stuff. But do yourself a favor and get access to some of your money locally you know you're talking about actually that. selling stock and getting some dollars yeah yeah for, for sure yeah i think it's i think it's crazy to kill yourself with hubris like oh i own those dollars are worthless yeah well you know what they spend really well if you know i was on the roads where i can't <laughs> they remember spend well I like they do that. yeah they spend they well. do i was at a gas station in ohio and a discount on gas if you pay for cash for something like 60 cents a gallon it's like eh, that's not a good sign but that that tells you cash is cash is king you they know? were selling gas at 60 cents for cash no no 60 cent I, discount oh, I just you pay with a credit sorry. card it's whatever four dollars right. pay with right. cash it's three uh, right. 340 right. something like that yeah it was, a, it was a gas station close to uh, near the west virginia border on the, mm -hmm. on the Ohio River, yeah. 
Anna's in Lexington, Kentucky, beautiful part of the world. She said, people keep talking about there's going to be a, a, a forgiveness of debt, a debt jubilee in this world. Is that even possible? Does your guest think that's possible? It's always possible. I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for it. Right. Um, because the financiers who, who own that debt aren't going to like it. But it's possible. Historically, it's been done. Um, the problem is, though, that the system kind of went criminal in 2009. And How so? Um, they didn't prosecute it. It's not only they didn't prosecute criminal banks, they didn't investigate criminal banks. Uh. Didn't investigate banks. I mean, think about that. Think about that just for a second. We know as a matter of fact and as a matter of law that the president of the United States can be investigated. He could be subpoenaed. He, you know, the, the investigations can be launched of the president himself. In 2009, though, banks weren't, they were not investigated. That's, that's a matter of record. Hmm. And they weren't investigated because they went to the Department of Justice and said, you cannot, if you prosecute us, Okay, if you prosecute this bank, we'll kill your market. We'll kill you. That's what happened. And so as a consequence, they weren't investigated. Now that the implications of that are rather staggering in that what it means is that the the banks have more political power and have more legal power than the US president. Yeah. Which means that the banks are really running the system. Yeah. And we know beyond the shadow of any doubt that those banks are criminal enterprises. Yeah. I mean, they've admitted it. They plead guilty the crimes they're criminal enterprises they're running the system they run so, the wars right they run all the wars yeah the facts banks run yes they call the. yes they run the wars banks were running the system and they're totally out of control i don't i don't really see it at this point if you look at debt jubilees they happen during periods where you have a thing called the rule of law in place yes we don't have that I, the banks are not going to do to undertake a debt jubilee means you're going to relinquish some form of control and they're not going to do that they, they might let you walk away from their debt but if they do they're going to take something else that's worth more than the debt because i think it's fair to say they control most of congress right almost everybody there has got some kind yeah, of yeah yeah holding to the bankers yeah they, that, they, that's pretty well yeah pretty they, they well must they pretty yeah. much right I mean, Dick Durbin said a long time ago, banks run this place. And Marcy Kaptur said, in the wake of the global financial crisis in 2009, she said, oh, yeah, TARP, there was a, that was a financial coup d'etat. That's what happened. That's how it passed. Financial coup d'etat. Yeah, that's what she said. Wow. Marcy Kaptur, representative from uh, Toledo, Ohio. She said it in a film by Michael Moore called Capitalism, A Love Story, which isn't right. a particularly good film. No, it's but the interview of Marcy Kaptur and Elijah, Cummini, Elijah Cummings, make the hair will stand up on your back. And she says flat out, the way TARP passed, okay, so it comes up for a vote on September 29, 2008. It gets voted down. That's a yes, Monday. I remember. Four days later on a Friday, October 3rd, which is 14 years and one day ago, comes back up for a vote a second time. Now it passes. What happened in between? 55 representative changed their no vote to a yes. What? How did that happen? Marcy Kaptur says, well, it was a financial coup d'etat. It's a very well-organized operation, almost military in nature. Wow. 
And you're talking about the big boys, the usual suspects, you know, the yeah. city, all those guys, Goldman, all those guys. Well, whoever I, got the bailouts and whoever made yeah. that happen. You know, it's astonishing what happened mm -hmm. during that period. We'll be studying that period for the next 100 years. Yeah. That episode. It's vastly understudied and vastly misunderstood because it, it what happened was so serious and so poisonous to democracy and to the rule of law that, that you, to really understand it, you have to abandon a lot of pretense like that, every, that we still have the rule of law. We don't. It flew the coop during that episode for good. And now what's happening with the FBI and the whole Garland thing? I mean, it's just gone, man. We got predictable. Nothing. Predictable. Got, this is boom. just an extension of that. Boom, nothing. Yeah. Here's an email. Patrick, I was recently at two different restaurants that would not accept my cash. One did not inform me of this until they bought the check. Is your guest saying that this that in this situation, if they refuse cash, then one does not have to pay? I don't know about that. But. Yeah. I mean, actually, you owe a Probably. debt. Mm -hmm. the, le the legal tender statute in the Fed, in the, in, it's, in a, it's a federal statute. And it says, you know, coins and cash are legal tender. And legal tender means that if you have a debt and if you tender the cash and the debtor refuses it, you know, and, and the debtor later turns around and comes after you in court, the debtor is going to lose. I mean, the, the creditor is going to lose that case. The restaurant's going to lose that case. The problem you got in a restaurant scenario is there's other statutes, and the local guy is going to, you know, he's going to call the cops or whatever saying this guy's trying to get out. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and do you think the cop is going to understand legal tender statutes? Probably not. You probably, you know, you, you probably going to get a lot of trouble, but technically, you'd win that case. Slam dunk. Is it true some people contend that when you when you just pay off um, your mortgage with digital dollars that you really never pay it off? Is that true? I, don't, I have no reason. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I don't think so. I think it's. I think if you pay it off, it's paid off. You just got to make sure you go watch your paperwork and yeah. get your note back. Get your promissory note back. Hmm. Here's an here's a good one from Anna. She says. He's, she's saying, has your guest seen the movie The Big Short? If he has, is that accurate? Big Short's great. Pretty good. Um, it's one of the best movies on the financial crisis there is. My one complaint about it, though, is you got to watch it really carefully for where where the crime was. Yeah. Um, and where the crime was is the, Steve Carell does a great job in that. And what he does, he, he's, he's doing a legitimate short. He's making a bet. That the market's going to crash and he collects on the bet, and that's fine. That's right. the American way. If you think something's going to go down, put your money where your mouth is and make a bet, and that's what he does, and that's he wins. Where things go wonky is Goldman Sachs, the guy he bet against, loses the bet. But rather than just taking his losses, Goldman goes, you know, that was such a good idea. We got that guy knowing the market's going to go down that we're going to make the same bet. But what we're going to do is we're going to sell bad mortgages to our investors and we're going to take out, we're going to make the bet by taking out credit default swaps on the debt that we're selling yes. to our own customers. Yeah. And that's where things are bad. And there's a brief phone call in that movie where Carell is talking to the guy back at Goldman. Mm -hmm. He's like, you guys, and, he, and he's kind of basically like, you copied my bet 
but you did it with your own customers. It wasn't like in my case, it was me, Steve Carell betting against Goldman, but you, Goldman, you're betting your own, against your own customers mm. and you're not telling them that you're betting against them. You're selling them these, these bad mortgages, telling them it's a great investment, but you're turning around and you're going behind their back and you're, you're buying credit default swaps, betting that those mortgages are going to or default and fail and betting that your customers are going to lose their money. Yeah. And the big short, it, it, there's a very brief scene, but you got to know a lot of backstory to understand to understand how that works. The implications yeah. of this conversation, yeah. but it's a dynamite movie. Yeah, yeah I it's, love great, it. it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, my mentor in this, uh, John, was uh, Andrew Goss, who's no longer with us back then. He suggested, and I and I still have the show, I think, on audio that about 150 billion would have made the whole subprime thing go away. They could have just made the whole thing go away. There wasn't that much. It wasn't, they blaming it on, 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 they blame the whole thing on subprime. Is that your understanding? Yeah, it was a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, um, in simple terms. Yeah. They, they, they blame it. They, they, there's mm -hmm. a lot of, there was, it was ugly. They blamed on the victims. That's what we do in the U.S. Yeah. We blame it on, you know, the Community Reinvestment Act you know, minority borrowers, we blame it on greedy home flippers. That mm -hmm. wasn't the problem. Yeah. The problem at the origination level, where the mortgages were, were originated and made, is that people were making mortgages they knew would not be paid back. The problem at the next level up, the wholesale level, is they didn't even bother. They were selling- Ninjas, right? Ninja you were ninja. selling poor pools of promissory notes before those notes existed. Wow. So all those pools of mortgages, most of them are just rotten through with fraud. They're worthless. And hmm. they sold them to investors knowing they were worthless. And I don't mean worthless like undervalued. I mean worthless as a matter of law. It, it, it's the, the global financial crisis is a very ugly episode because it, it basically ushered in. You had a choice. You could either correct the problem, which is like you need to put you know 100,000 people in prison, or... You can kind of paper over the problem, but now you've got a system where those 100,000 or 200,000 criminals, they're running your system. And we chose the latter. So yeah, that's what's happening system. today. They're, they're yeah. running the system today. They're running the system. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, what is this idea of, of the, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, that want to destroy this country, many people believe? You think that's true and this is what they want? Is to drive us into whatever some. I don't think it's what they want. I just think that you know the the debt based monetary system. Anytime you have a debt based monetary system, or a debt based currency like the U.S. dollar or like mm -hmm. the British pound, it has a life cycle. Okay, the life cycle is we we've had a good run. The U.S. has had a real good run from 1944 to now, but it's over. Okay. So the life cycle is, you know, you, it's good for a while, then you have manufacturing, and then, you know, more and more money gets sucked out, so you got to sell off your manufacturing, and then you, you go from manufacturing to casino, and then you go from casino to outright illegality, and then you implode. And that's mm -hmm. where we are. So it's not that the global, it's not that you want to do us in, it's like, well, the dollar's done. They've got the parasite, the bankers have to move on to another host, and just a matter of like, well, where do you put the where do you put the carcass of the United now? States of America? It's a big yeah. one, and that's the problem they're wrestling with. Can you can help us understand why the dollar is so strong today? If this is true, what we're saying? Yeah, it's it's strong. Because, 
because they're fe- <laughs> you're destroying the euro. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not that the dollar strong. It's the other currencies are even worse. Notice the one currency it's not it's not doing well against. But that would be the ruble. It's yeah. Lost forty five percent against the ruble. Not doing so well against the ruble. But everywhere else, yeah, everybody else has got problems. I mean, we got problems. Everybody else's problems are worse. You know, it's like you know, you're the tallest building in Kansas City. What what's the uh, what's the upshot of the the potential of uh, China and Russia doing their own little some kind of currency or their own and just a big it's deal. Very real. They, every every yeah. week I see another story about the BRICS nation. Yeah, you know, coming together with a new payment system, a new clearing system, you know, a new reserve currency. Yeah, they're moving on. Yeah, yeah. yeah China, they're 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 not putting up with the criminality. I mean, did you see that speech by Putin? I did. I I I read the whole thing. Whoa! Holy cow! Whoa! Me. Wow, stuff he's well, saying in there is like, you guys, you know, you your paper, your fake money, your fake can't money. buy any, can't buy energy. He's basically like, you know, if you want, you want the energy, come, 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 take <laughs> come and get it, <laughs> come and get it, see what happens. That's what and, he's saying. And then all that stuff about the woke trans and and the family. I mean, he was on it. He was on he fire. Just, man. He unloads with both barrels in that speech. It's unbelievable. Well. Can we learn Russian? I mean, no. I don't know. Oh, God, help me. Uh, excellent show. Does God, does John know anything about the jig with insurance companies and how they make money from disasters? Hmm. Yeah, I mean. Oh, it's, it's a big deal, insurance companies, right? It's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a rabbit hole and a half. It's that's like, you talk about a black hole, John. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look what happened with AIG. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were they, that company was not. It was as bankrupt as they come, and got bailed out to save the usual suspects. It's a dirty, dirty, dirty business because it's fraud. You're collecting premiums and you're never paying them out. That's just, that's the basic, you know, cut and dry fraud. I hear this on the radio. How do they even offer a a a, a, a thing to pay you so much money when you die? For hundred dollars a month, I don't even get that. What is that? A, what is that? A, is that just fraud? Some, Do yeah, they pay it's, it? it's gotta they be. It's gotta be. It's, it's either that or or water is being created out of wine, or wine is being created out of water. Well, you know, you get it. There must be it's some like fine print where they just don't pay it out or something. I don't yeah, know. something. Something's something not add up. No, it doesn't. It, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. <laughs> it's like it's okay, you, you get a hundred thousand dollars, no matter what age you are, for hundred dollars a month. Come on. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like the it's like the ad for car insurance. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, paid paid you out, but it's going to screw someone else. Hmm. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. Here's an email from Andre. So, if the stock market would say just go down twenty five percent, which would be a disaster, how long would it take for it to go back up to where it is? Who knows? I don't know because you know, you know, all or what? markets. <laughs> Markets, they, they all rest on the rule of law. And if you don't have that, I used to have a friend, he, he, was, he was a really interesting guy in Chicago. He, was a, he was a, worked on the Chicago Board of Trade. He'd actually been Hunter S. Thompson's bartender in Woody Creek, Colorado. He's a really interesting guy. And he would tell me, hmm. he says, look, you can't beat the house. He says, if you beat the house, <laughs> they'll just change the rules on you. Yeah. You know? They'll just change the rules, right? They'll just, they'll just change the rules and take your money. I said, that's not true. He says, you watch, that bailout's going through. 
I was so angry at him. No, the balance <laughs> go through. He was right. I was so. I was, I was very. But it was a good lesson. It's like so. What yeah, the market? The market will do whatever they they want it to do. Yeah. I don't know. Do, if they needed to stay down for a hundred years, it'll stay down for a hundred years. Do you think that people would put up with uh, what is called means testing? You alluded to earlier, where they would say, "You know what, John." You're doing fine. You don't need all your Social Security. Let's just give a little bit to Patrick because he needs it more than you do. Uh, yeah, the, the populace is so sedated. I think they'll put up with anything. Really? My yeah. The God. populace is so sedated, it's it's pitiful. It is terrible. I mean, look, I, I do these videos. I make videos. We're not getting out of this. I'm not. I'm under no illusion. I'm doing this in the <laughs> hopes that, 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 that so when the dust people clears. people wake up a little bit, right? No, that, that, so that when people are picking through the rubble on the other side in 10 years, they can figure out, well, maybe maybe this guy's onto something. He said no rule of law is the problem. Maybe right. he was right. I, we're not getting out of this. No, not getting no. out alive. Or, or, no. or, or, that, I don't think so. No. No, I, I mean, I, I do this to lay a record. <laughs> no, I do. I, I have no hope in people revolting. We need to revolt. That's what we need. That's what you do when you have a criminal government that's what we did in 1776 you read the declaration of independence there were horrific crimes recited right. in that document and one what did they another. do what, no, they threw not. him off that's what they said it's your duty it's not only your right it's your duty to throw that government off to throw king george off the odds of the average u.s person throwing the government or even waking up to the to the con are zero hmm. so i'm under no illusion that there's going to anything positive is going to happen i don't think so the frog's going to boil to death the frog will just boil so there didn't have yep. to be uh 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 you know like a an invasion or some weird thing happening to make you it know what crash. the frog will say it'll just the frog boil. Will say when he when he dies from boiling yeah. to death yeah he'll say well it would have been worse if i had covid <laughs> great yeah that's what that's how that's how dumbed down people are now it had been worse. Ah, could have been worse. Yeah. Death would have been. I would have had death. Would have been a lot sooner and a lot worse if I'd had COVID. Yeah. The, the mind control on display now is mm. just. It's just. It's. I. I can't focus on it too long because I get too depressed. You get too depressed. It's like I gotta go ride my bike. You know. You know, John. We've done. We've done a lot of shows on it. I don't know if you're. You're open to this idea, but. You know what? Uh, and we've done a lot of shows over the last two years with some very credential people. There is no germ. There never was a germ. They've never isolated the germ. The whole thing has been a psychological operation. So put that to your little list of crazies. No, I call it a spreadsheet disease. It's like they just took the, it is. So they did. They just said, well, take the right. sick people from column A That's right. and move, put, them, move them to column B, B and relabel COVID. Column A was the flu. We'll just call it column B COVID. They did. None. They did. That's they what they did. The, they made the whole disease. thing up, man. Yeah. Wow. It's a white collar spreadsheet disease marketed toward white collar dupes. <laughs> you know, it is. That's what it is. Well, John, you are really fun to talk to. Thanks for spending so much time with us. I'm going to put your thing up there. It's called People Want to Get on Your... They should. And do you send things out and let them know you write stuff? How does that work, the Substack? At Substack, I like Substack because I write, I post something and it goes out. I, it gives me two things. It goes out to an email list, number one, and number two, it gives me a URL 
that I can copy into, you know, blog posts elsewhere. So. Bestevidence.substack.com, right? Yeah, and YouTube, Best Evidence, and Odyssey, and BitChute, Best Evidence, and I even started a Rumble. Yeah, I'm going to start a Rumble, too. I think that's a good one, don't you think? I think it's a good one. I think they're all. I think they're all in cahoots, Beck. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Whatever happened to Duck Duck Go? You know, wasn't that a hilarious that thing? <laughs> duck Duck Gone, right? God. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's fair to say there are no secrets, right? I mean, so whatever you do, everybody knows everything pretty much. No? I guess I don't. I don't know. You know. Yeah. 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 Okay. So last question: If you could wave a magic wand and live anywhere you wanted in the whole world tomorrow. Would you stay here or would you go somewhere else? I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think I, I am. I'd stay here. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. I like it here. Yeah, yeah. I've right. learned to like what I have. Yeah, to appreciate took, what you I, have. It right. took a while to want what I have. Yeah. Once you want what you have, you're in a good space. Yeah, you figure it out. That's where I want to be. You figure out how to keep it, right? You figure out how to keep it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. John, could you hold on for just one second? I want to ask you a question uh, off the off the air and uh, off sure. the record. Okay, would you stay right there? Thank you. Yep. His name is John Titus, and I think you'll have some fun and get on his little Substack there. Bestevidence.substack.com. T i t u s. Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network.com. We will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk uh, to Sally Kane Norton. Uh, she is a lady that's taught us about all these oxalates and vegetables and weird stuff that are probably not too good for us, but they say eat your vegetables. And then she's got a new book about um, superfoods and some of the weird things that we've been spending lots of money on the last 20 years that maybe are not so good. And it's always something. So I'll see you tomorrow uh, on OneRadioNetwork.com. Thank you very much. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. <laughs>